What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. Joining me from Dallas, Texas, is a former paratrooper commander and Columbia Business School alumni. He's an expert in data, digital marketing, and content, and currently he serves as the chief content development and strategy at Lairfield. Lairfield is the leading media and technology company in college athletics, where they connect brands with passionate fans through media, technology, and data. He is responsible for growing Lairfield's direct-to-consumer business across data marketing and content. He's also an advisor to diverse organizations in sports like Stadia Ventures, Courtside Ventures, and Big Media Holdings. It is an absolute pleasure to host such a legend of the sports and marketing space in today's Halftime Snacks, so allow me to introduce Mr. Robert Schneider. Robert, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. Hey, thanks for having me. Really, really uh, glad to be here. Yeah, we're so excited for the awesome conversation that is upon us. Uh, but before that, we're going to start this conversation with an icebreaker. And the one I have for you is, is a fun one. It's, a, it's one that involves memory. So I want maybe to, to ask you if you can share with us your top sports memory of all time. Wow. Yeah, that's, that, that's a tough one. I mean, there's, there's so many, you know, a lot from uh, early in my childhood, Mets winning the the World Series, Giants winning the Super Bowl, things like that. But probably, probably the one that that meant the most to me, at least the uh, the most most recently, was uh, where uh, Army Navy, uh, where Army broke its like 15 year losing streak, uh, and I was lucky enough to be uh, in attendance for that game, and that was pretty emotional to say the least. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And. Now you mentioned army. You served in the in the military uh, in the in the U.S. and I do think that that is a very unique uh, thing, spe specifically in sports in the industry. You don't really see people that come from that background. So I want to maybe ask you on that. Uh, what are one maybe one, two, or three skills or experiences from your time at the military that built your mindset to win in business, life, sports, and whatever it is that you're doing today? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the military is such a formative experience. And I think there's a ton of uh, overlap and and skill sets that, that, that you learn in one that can be applied in the other. I mean, and especially in the world of sports. I mean, um, you know, I came from an environment in the Army where, where things like mission and purpose uh, and team you know, meant so much. And, and, you know, you find that in varying degrees uh, in the business world as well. But, you know, sports is so close to, uh, you know, having those same values that the transition was probably more seamless than into a lot of, uh, uh, you know, other industries. But, you know, more specifically than, than just, you know, again, that sense of teamwork and, 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 and uh, you know, serving a higher purpose, uh, but just your ability to sort of stay cool, calm and collected, under pressure, being able to make decisions in, in pretty ambiguous uh, environments where you don't have, you know, a full set of data, but you still got to figure out a way forward. I mean, those those are great experiences that you get uh, in, in, in the Army and any, you know, branch of military service that, 
you know, certainly has served me well in sports and in the other parts of the media and entertainment world that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work in. And so how exactly did you got so much into sports and innovation, like where this passion came from? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've always uh, been passionate about the the media industry. I went to, you know, West Point undergrad, but it was really between there and NYU film school. So like two two pretty different roads to go down in, in life. And uh, I knew I could only do one. I couldn't wake up, you know, one at a time. I couldn't wake up when I was 40 and decide that I wanted to jump out of airplanes for a living. So did that first and very, you know, proud of, of, of my service. And, you know, but then when uh, it came time to do something else, you know, getting involved in media and entertainment is, is where I set my sights. And then very sort of fortunately lucked into sports as an aspect of that, which uh, I've really been involved in for about the last half decade, uh, you know, focused exclusively on sports and at Learfield and college sports. And uh, again, just the parallels between the military experience and, And working in sports is, is so great. It really, you know, uh, when you wake up in the morning, you're excited to go to work. Yeah, that's awesome. We're going to get a lot into your specific work at Learfield. But before that, maybe for the ones listening that uh, might find Learfield a strange company or an overwhelming company, because uh, being absolutely honest, I was a little bit overwhelmed because of all the things that uh, are happening around Learfield and what the business is and, and what what flows around Learfield, which is, is, is quite awesome, but it could also be hard or complex to understand. So maybe give us, before before we talk about your work there, give us an overview or bird's eye view of uh, Learfield's business. Yeah, uh, happy to. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're probably the, the biggest business in sports that most folks really haven't uh, heard of. I mean, we're not, we're not like a household name, you know, for the general population, but You know, we're the closest thing there is to a league um, it, with regards to, you know, engaging fans and monetizing fans. Uh, we're the closest thing there is to a league in, in college. Um, you know, people, when people think of college, they, they might think of the NCAA or, you know, some of the specific conferences like the SEC or ACC. And, um, you know, those, those are more, uh, particularly the NCAA are more sort of administrative and, and governing bodies where we're really focused, again, on, on all those ways to engage and monetize fans. So we, as an example, we're the, um, we represent uh, 180 universities' sponsorship rights. So any way that a brand can engage with a fan in and around the stadium, um, on uh, schools' digital uh, channels, whether that's their athletic site, their mobile app, on their social media handles, or all of the audio, we're actually the largest producer of live audio content in the country because we're producing audio play-by-play -play for basketball, football, you know, baseball, what have you, um, across those 180 schools that we work with. Um, and so that's our primary business, but then we're also the largest ticketing business in college. We're the largest licensing business in college. We power 1,800 websites and apps uh, for universities uh, as a content management system. So, you know, again, really any way that you can touch a, uh, a fan and engage with that fan, uh, we're, we're really at the center of that for uh, the college universe. And for you specifically that you are on the strategy side, how exactly do you think the strategy works for such a company at such level and such size? Uh, how exactly do you, do, you, do you figure out if you're progressing, if you're growing, if you're going 
along the the right strategy path like what what is it what is your 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 mindset around the strategy side of Learfield yeah so um you know i mean really the thing that we try to keep front and center at least you know particularly you know me and my team but really the whole company is you know how do we better engage the fans uh because you know whether our client is the university uh itself or um a sponsor uh everyone is trying to engage that fan so that, that that's really got to sit at the core of all of the products and services we develop is how do we create a better experience for that fan and predict in in particular how do we engage with that fan 365 days a year you know for the last 50 years and this is now the 50th year that you know the core Learfield business has been around you know uh, most of our engagement has really centered around game day Like what happens, you know, a couple Saturdays in the fall with football, you know, twice a week uh, during the, the, the winter and spring and in, uh, in basketball and so on. But fans are fans 365 days a year, 24-7. Um, and so how do you tap into that fandom? And in particular, during the pandemic, when there weren't games or when even if there were games there weren't necessarily fans and stands you know really brought you know this notion which you know was part of our strategy long before the pandemic but it really brought that notion to the forefront and so if there were any doubters beforehand they certainly weren't you know after going through that experience about how do you engage that fan and how do you do that uh 365 days a year yeah and and it's interesting that you bring up engagement because i've hosted you know Uh, directors and founders from media companies and from uh, sports uh, uh, marketing agencies and from even like different teams. And it seems like everyone has like a different def definition of engagement. So I wonder like what's engagement for you in terms of like fandom and, and teams and brands? Like what does it mean to have good engagement or higher engagement? Because that is, as you mentioned, your focus on your strategy. So I do want to like see how you think about engagement yeah I, you know i i think it's as varied as as fans are are varied in it and our business touches so many aspects of fandom that it you know engagement is buying a ticket engagement is buying merch engagement is consuming content you know whether that's watching the game or watching behind the scenes footage on on TikTok or instagram or whatever it is the engagement is is um you know engaging with Uh, a school sponsors as well. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's the, it's the totality of that fandom that we're looking to tap into. And for us really where that started in, in, in terms of really looking at it and accelerating it was connecting all those different pieces. And the way that you connect those pieces is with data. And so the first thing we really did was create a, a data infrastructure that allows us to understand who's buying a ticket or, who's, uh, you know, looking at a schedule page on an official athletic site or who's buying merch. Because guess what? The person that is checking out that schedule page may want to buy a ticket. And that person that buys a ticket probably wants to buy some merch. And if uh, Dunkin' Donuts is a sponsor, well, and they buy a cup of coffee, that's a way of demonstrating their their affinity for, for their sports teams, or at least it should be counted to that uh, as well. And so it's really about bringing all those pieces together to have that holistic view uh, of a fan. And then once you have that holistic view, then you can start, you know, driving them and exposing them to other aspects of fandom that they may not have been exposed to before. 
Yeah, it's interesting because at the same time, like once you have like all these things together, like it kind of gives you a very a better, uh, a better um, macro view of what the engagement looks like. Although, if you think about it, like if you if you some because people sometimes focus on the quality of content, right, and say that higher quality brings higher engagement. Yeah, but then how do you compare that to amount of like ticket sales? or the amount of uh, time spent on apps, or the amount of uh, merch that they, they're buying from from uh, their, their, their favorite teams. You know, there's different ways that I do think that engagement is, is mixed together. And the cool thing about the, the, the data aggregation platform that you mentioned is that you can see that at the same time together. The only thing is that I worry, my only worry, and this is also what I want to ask you, if that if by looking at the whole thing, you kind of like miss out on small details, you know what I'm saying? Like you start missing out on uh, things that could potentially improve engagement, but you don't really realize it because you don't, you're, you're not specializing on a specific type of engagement. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I think data allows you to look at the 30,000 foot level and also zoom into the, the, the microscopic level as well, right? Because you're creating a feedback loop where you can bring in new types of content or new types of experiences. And by plugging it into the larger picture that you have on a fan, you're actually able to see what works and what doesn't work and how things work together in a way that if you're just operating in a bunch of silos is much harder. Um, you know, having said that, like Learfield, like we're not, we're not going to figure everything out on our own. Um, you know, but, but what we have is a platform and we have scale and we have access. But, you know, those 180 universities that we represent from a sponsorship perspective, that's like 180 laboratories. <laughs> you know, at least that's, that's, that's the way I look at it. And, it. and it's the opportunity to bring in the latest and greatest and cutting edge uh, um, you know, innovative companies to then plug them into that platform and see what works. So we don't necessarily need to figure everything out ourselves. We don't necessarily need to take all of those risks or make all of those investment ourselves because we have this platform that allows us to figure out what works and then double down on it and grow it uh, across the entire network of schools that we partner with. And thinking about like... Uh product mix, which I don't know if it's the right way to call it, or maybe like projects or partnerships. Uh, I saw that you guys recently announced a, a, a partnership with Open Doors, and you also have the, the Varsity Network, and you just released also on LinkedIn, I saw Learfield Studios, uh, which are some, some of the projects that you might be uh, involved very closely with. So I do want to like ask you, uh, how important are those in the product mix, or how do you think about partnerships to keep building on that uh, product offering that you can come up to different schools and offer? Like, yeah, we, we do this and this and that. Um, like as a as a as a catalog or as a menu of things that you can do for all these all these different brands. Yeah, and and, and those are great examples because some of those are things that we've you know built ourselves. Some of those are services that we offer to schools. Some of those are partnerships like what we uh, recently announced uh, with Open Doors. And, you know, ultimately what when we're talking to schools about all these capabilities, you know, we try not to do it at, in terms of like, here's a catalog of things we can do for you, right? It's, it's all about the, the, the holistic and interconnected nature of those things, mm -hmm. you know, again, like rooted in data and being able to leverage one 
to benefit uh, an, another one. You know, co coming in with a catalog of do you want this or do you <laughs> want that? I mean, that, that does get very overwhelming and, and confusing. Right. And so we, we, we try to keep things focused on the outcomes. Like, what are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to, um, you, you know, have it happen with regards to your fans or whatever, you know, constituent that you're trying to address and focus on those outcomes more than the processes or products or initiatives that get us there. You know, those, those are the means, those aren't the ends. And so it's always important to focus on the ends in terms of what you're trying to achieve around fan engagement. And then we have a ton of tools at our disposal. You know, we have a ton of, you know, Lego blocks, if you will, at our, right. at our disposal to build whatever it is that needs to be built. But we try not to say, here's a bunch of Lego blocks, figure it out. Like we, we try to understand, like, do you want a house? Do you want a boat? Do you want a car? And then let <laughs> us, you know, let us help build that based on all these capabilities, whether it's something we built ourselves, like a uh, Learfield studios, or whether it's a, a partnership, like what we did with open doors um, and, and it's all focused again on creating new ways to engage with, with fans. I mean, Learfield studios, great example. That's really about creating, uh, opportunities for fans to engage with their fandom off the field of play more than anything else. It's like, you know, it's about behind the scenes. It's about, you know, deep access to, uh, school programs that, you know, the average fan really wants to see. It's what makes sport human and uh, gets gets people engaged in in, in uh, uh, the teams and in the players in ways that just watching the game doesn't it adds all that extra color that makes what's happening on the field of play really matter even more uh, or open doors as an example which is about name image and likeness Nil uh, college athletes for the history of college sports could not, uh, monetize their name, image, and likeness. Now that changed about a year ago. And so Open Doors is a platform that uh, allows us to tap into those students. It's a marketplace, if you will, to, for us to be able to tap into those student athletes at scale to bring them new monetization opportunities from brands or to bring them you know, new content creation opportunities, either for brands or even for the schools themselves. And again, that's something like fandom isn't just about the teams. It's about the athletes. And now that's a much more important part of what we're trying to bring into the mix of a holistic offering for our school partners, for our brand partners, uh, et cetera. Yeah, but I'm wondering what happens when schools don't really know what they want or what they need. I can understand if, if, if I understand right. What you're saying is that you guys are this algorithm, this very, very complex algorithm with a mix of thousand different uh, alternatives of things that can solve uh, the input of, of, of all these like schools that, you know, they basically come and say, okay, so those are your, our needs. The algorithm runs inside and figures out what's the best solution and then comes out with, with you know, the output. But I wonder what happens with that input is, is less accurate or schools don't really know what they need or what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that, that definitely happens, although I would say, you know, a lot of our school partners have a pretty, you know, good understanding of, you know, what's happening. They may not exactly know how, how best to execute it, but, you know, they have, they have pretty good, uh, you know, perspectives on, on where the wind is blowing and what they need to do to evolve, but mm -hmm. not everyone. And again, that's, it, it's both art and science. 
Um, it's, 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 you know, it's our, um, it's not just the data that we have, it's the experience that we have. And so, you know, when you're working across, you know, a pretty broad swath of, of the college ecosystem, like we are, like we were able to put together best practices. We're able to see right. what works at one place versus another. And despite the competition that happens on the field of play, you know, most universities are not necessarily competitive with one another. You know, it's like a fan of my of Miami is not necessarily going to be a fan of, of Texas. And so they're not competing for the same eyeballs, uh, et cetera, uh, necessarily. And so a lot of those best practices are uh, are fairly easy to share. Um, and it just helps, you know, raise the overall level of fandom across college as a whole. Yeah, it makes sense. And for those maybe for those comp uh, schools listening that are not yet clients of Learfield clients or uh, close to Robert, uh, my friend Rob here, what is your opinion on, on those like brands, schools, athletes or venues that are not highly invested in digital media and marketing the thing that you you currently hold as the closest to what you are? an expert on what is your opinion on those those uh, brands, schools, athletes, venues that are not in, highly invested in that space yet? Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it's only a matter of time. It's, it, it, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I spent most of my career after the Army sort of in media and advertising, you know, more generally than uh, sports specifically. And, it you know, it, it's a lot harder to, to sell soap and uh, diapers and things like that to someone than it is to sell them sports. I mean, sports is, has just benefited from the fact that its underlying product is really strong. You know, like, you know, no, no one walks through the airport with, uh, you know, a Facebook shirt on or a New York Times <laughs> shirt on. Like, like the connection that people have to sports as a media property, nothing beats it. But, but when I came to sports, you know, about five years or so ago, it was way behind where the Unilevers or the New York Times or whoever, because again, they had to evolve um, because they don't have the benefit of that natural passion and affinity that sports does. Um, and so, you know, I would say sports is actually like pretty far behind a lot uh, and then not just college, like pros as well, really far behind a lot of these other industries because they have such a great foundation. But now, you know, there's been so much change uh, over the last couple of years and sports has evolved and continues to evolve. That it's like, there's just so much potential that if you're able to take these lessons learned from other places and apply it to the sports context with the, with the great content that sports has with the fact that it's both digital and physical, the great fans that sports has, I mean, there's just so much, value to be unlocked not just for the teams themselves but for the sponsors that associate themselves with those teams and leagues you know i i think uh, there's uh, there's definitely more more opportunity in front of us than behind us yeah and i do think that you also say that because of how close you are to that action and how with your experience you're able to see that potential that you're talking about and maybe not everyone uh can see it so Uh, to all the folks listening here, Rob, I, I, I do want to say that you guys really should listen more to Rob because he knows what's coming. He knows where's the potential. Now let's talk about data because you mentioned something uh, a while ago about data, how, how valuable that is. Um, and the, the question that I have for you is maybe what is one thing about 
data or what is something that you'd like people, brands, venues, schools, how should they start thinking about data and their relationship to their to their business? I mean, the question maybe is, what is one thing you wish you kind of wished everyone just knew already about data and instead of you going one by one trying to convince them that data is what's going to take the, the 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 next step on their businesses? Yeah, you know, I think there's still a lot of, I mean, a lot of uncertainty. It's something that's new. There's a lot of, um, you know, s stories, concerns about the misuse of data out there. I, I think people, you know, um, people need to understand, properties need to understand that it's a two-way street. It's a promise and a pact that's being made with their fans, with their consumers about how that data is going to be used. And then it's an understanding from the fans that, You know, the more data that, that these trusted partners, you have to establish that trust, but these trusted partners have the better experience that, mm -hmm. that I then can have. And, 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 and it's incumbent upon the, the teams and the leagues, et cetera, the, to, to demonstrate that they're deserving of that trust and also that, you know, getting access to that data will actually lead to better experiences for the fans. But by demonstrating that sort of virtuous circle that really should exist right. between fans and properties and the fact that data is the way that you unlock these better experiences and more relevant experiences, I think that's really key to understand it because otherwise people are very cautious and, and hesitant about it. I mean, I'm, right. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very uh, protective of the data that, that I share, but I also do share some data with people I trust because I get something for it. I get a better experience right. from it. And so, you know, really coming in with that sort of mindset where it's not scary, there are some, some baseline foundational things you need to establish, but ultimately it's about providing a better experience from the fans and not trying to yeah. take something from them right. that, you know, like disadvantages them. That is really coming in with that mindset, I think is something that people need to take a step back and really appreciate because there's so much noise around how consumer data is being used. Yeah, because it creates, it essentially creates a feedback loop, a feedback loop that is efficient, and that allows those businesses to iterate. Right? Is that is that accurate enough? Is that like a good definition? Yeah, no, I think I think I think that's a perfect way to describe it. You know, and again, uh, like I can't say it often enough, but you know, there needs to be trust there, right. and there needs to be a demonstration of that value. But I mean, I just go back to my advertising days, and you know, if someone is, I'd much rather see an ad. For something I'm interested in buying, then if I'm a single guy and I'm seeing ads for diapers, like that doesn't do me any right. good. It doesn't do the advertiser any good. I want more relevant advertising, uh, you know, more broadly. And then in the case of being a fan, like I want, you know, more relevant content, services, uh, uh, opportunities, experiences to me and right. my version of fandom. Um, and that there needs to be a way to create that feedback loop. So yeah, you're 100% right. Man, this is a masterclass in sports marketing. I'm not, I don't know if you're realizing this, but th there's just so much value in what you're saying. Um, before we wrap it up, of course, uh, one of my last questions that I have, and this is something that I've been thinking about you a lot, is that you, Rob, you are, given your role and given what you currently offer uh, and, and your position at, the, at Lairfield, I would expect you to be really on top of like trends on new things, new technologies that are coming up. Uh, things that are disrupting. You already talked about NIL. We, we were talking a little bit before before the the episode about esports, about about uh, about NFTs, blockchain, and all those. 
What are some trends that you're currently eyeing, that you're excited about, that you've been reading lately and that are getting you very, very much excited uh, that you are maybe 100% sure that if not in the next year, in the next three years are going to be incorporated in sports and in college sports as well? Yeah, well, I mean, you just said on some great ones. I mean, wagering is, is, is a topic there too. NIL is opening so many opportunities. But if you look at stuff like esports, like uh, NFTs in particular, we, we recently did a, a big deal with a company called Recur to establish their college NFT marketplace and NFTU. Um, you know, for the first time in a long time, I feel like college is at the forefront of some mm. of these evolutions versus playing catch up. Like, you know, what, what we're doing with NFTs and, and Recur in particular, I mean, that, that is as current and as cutting edge as anything that's happening uh, in, in the pros. So that, that's really exciting. Um, you know, I think it taps into a lot of the things that we talked about earlier with regards to data and creating that feedback loop. You're able to, you know, create a lot of incentives. You know, it's not just about, um, you know, with NFTs, it's not just about, you know, creating a collectible that someone files away in a drawer and, and, and waits for it to appreciate in value. Um, it's about the gamification of it, the, the challenge aspect of it and creating incentives for people to dive deeper into their fandom. And that's really Recur's approach. And, and one of the big reasons that, that we ended up partnering with them, because it wasn't about just creating a digital asset that you're trying to speculate on. It was about creating a, an enhanced experience for fans mm -hmm. and for fans that are spending more of their time, more of their lives in a digital environment, we thought it was a perfect extension to what we've traditionally done with fans, you know, when they're showing up to a game in person. And so, um, you know, those are things I would definitely, you know, keep an eye on, um, you know, it's just, you, you know, as, as people continue to live more and more of their lives in, in, in uh, the digital world, you know, being, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to call it the metaverse or anything like that, but, you know, <laughs> sort of, uh, I mean, we're, we're on the metaverse now on, on, on Zoom, et cetera, I guess. But, you know, as, as folks are living more and more of their lives in that way, being able to create opportunities for them to express their fandom in those ways is, is really important. Uh, I think, you know, avatars and, and sports apparel and things like that are going to be huge. Um, but there's also so many things in sports that are, uh, again, that are commonplace from 10 years ago in other industries that are still relevant here as well. So I think it's a combination of these really cutting edge things. And then some of the lower hanging fruit of uh, innovations around data and advertising that, you know, or maybe old hat in some places, but still pretty new and pretty right. uh, uh, important uh, for sports going forward, too. Yeah, the mix of, of two different things that can probably like find ways to create engagement. Like one of the examples that I go back to is like how uh, NBA players started playing uh, esports with e-players e e e that are, you know, uh, e-gamers or gamers. I'm not sure how how do you call them, but gamers that were super popular. So that started to bring, you know, audiences from different sides of sports, different side of media, and created diff this different sense of engagement, which I do think that it's interesting and fascinating to see. Um, Robert, man, this has been this has been awesome. I, as I mentioned, this is an absolute masterclass on sports marketing and and everything in between on trends and brands and engagement and how to get fans excited. I do, I do appreciate it, this conversation, but before we go, Robert, I always ask a more personal question just to get to know 
um, the, the guests a little bit more closely. Um, the one I have for you is what is something that you wish you knew, uh, Mr. Rob, 18-year-old Rob would knew uh, when you were young? What's something you wish you knew? Oh, uh, man, so much. I mean, I knew so little then and still, frankly, no, pretty not not all that much more now. But I mean, you know, just things like, you know, trust your gut and be confident in in, in yourself. You know, there's uh, you know, there, there's, it's very easy to, to, to doubt yourself. But, you know, it's it, you know, having some confidence in, in, in the fact that, you know, you probably know more than you think, you know, regardless of what your your age is and having that confidence to, to sort of trust your instincts, I think, is is something that, you know, you tend to learn too late in life. Uh, not that your gut's always going to be right, but it's definitely something you should uh, listen to more often than, than you might think. very much for tuning in if you enjoyed this episode hit the subscribe button and leave a review on apple podcasts if you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports make sure you subscribe to the sports tech biz newsletter i'll leave the link in the show notes see you all next week bye bye